Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my webpage at dr-history.com for over 440 true stories of the Old West. Also, now available on Amazon, my first book, a historical fiction based on true events entitled Coal Miner to Cowboy. The story of a young man born in England in 1850. He wants to be a cowboy and makes his way to America, travels from New Orleans to Independence on a steamboat, hires on as a teamster to Santa Fe, then on a cattle drive to Bozeman, Montana. He also rides shotgun on a stagecoach. He travels with a wagon train, and on his two-year journey, he meets some famous people and keeps a journal of his adventures. The book contains a lot of the true stories from my podcast and is now available on Amazon. Visit my webpage for a link to Amazon for the book, Coal Miner to Cowboy. Doctor History. Good morning, Zeb. Hello, my bearded friend. Yes. To my goateed friend. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Looking forward to the Farron Rodeo. You know, and uh, it seems like every year I remember vividly when I was working and announcing at the Cache County Fair, it was warm. Uh, it was hot. And it is. <laughs> and gonna it's going to be this week again. And you be. know what? The day after the fair is over, they're calling for a change in weather patterns where it only gets in the low 80s. <laughs> Seriously. It's going to cool right off. <laughs> it is. Well, Zeb, you really ought to slip over there and get you a maple bar. Oh, with bacon. Oh, yeah. I kind of thought that you would be courteous enough to say, gee, I'll bring one to you. <laughs> but they're not the same when they're cooked right there. Oh, there's no question. Not the same. No question. My brother and his family are doing that again this year. Are they? Yeah. Well, can't he take some home and put some in the freezer so I can at least get a semblance of the taste? I'll see what I can do. That's my man right there. What are we going to do today? How about a good story about a lost mine? You're really into lost mines. You know, they're kind of fun, you know. Yeah, the lost they, Dutchman. And how they get found and then how they get lost. And how did they lose? How do you lose a mine? Well, you, when I describe this one, how it is, you'll understand how easily this one could be lost. Okay, where is it? In Montana. But how do you know it's there? Because it's lost. <laughs> it's lost. Because it was found at one time. Okay. So... Picture this. This guy is sitting around his campfire. It's a July night. His name is Harry Penal, and he's sitting by his cooking fire, and he heard a sound like a, oh, maybe it was like a cougar or a wild animal, just a, almost like a scream, but he wondered what the heck that was. What the heck? What the heck? I made that up. Uh-huh. Then he heard plainly the word help. Oh. Help. 
and this begging voice floated down from the uh, side of a place called Saddle Mountain. Someone up there must be in serious trouble, he thought. So, running up the slope, he was forced to detour around an especially thick stand of timber and over the rocks and and stuff, and uh, deciding that he was at an angle away from the source of the emergency call, he drew his six-gun and fired twice into the sky. Well, he heard the yell again, and he turned in that direction. He hurried up the mountain as fast as he could through the timber and the rocks. Well... Twice more, Pinal heard the, the, the yell for help before he came out onto a narrow bench. And by now it's dark, so starlight revealed a prospector's uh, camp where there were two, bo- two burrows that were ga- grazing off to one side. Now over the bench from the mountain slope bulged the low cliff. Now, Pinal shouted and was answered by a really weak voice which seemed to come out of a patch of deep blackness at the base of this little kind of cliff thing, okay? So he heard this voice. Well, hurrying down, he found a narrow cave opening, but he couldn't see anything. But then he heard somebody say, I'm here. So he heard this voice coming out of this cave. Now, just a minute. Okay. If you were that man... Yeah. Walking into a dark, cavernous tomb. Well, he didn't go in yet. Oh. Okay. But he heard the voice coming out of that cave. That would scare the big, you know what, out of <laughs> yeah. it. So not six feet inside, uh, this voice uh, said, quote, I'm fastened solid under rocks. There's candles in the pack. Thank God you came. Oh, my goodness. So anyway, Pinal rushed back to the camp. He found some candles uh, in the supplies of the, of the miner, and he took one and he returned to the cave and started looking inside. Okay. Well, the prospector, a short, statured man, past middle age with a long beard, was laying with his left leg and thigh pinned under a bunch of fallen rock. Oh, my goodness. His fingers were worn bloody from trying to free himself from these rocks. Can you imagine the desperation? You know, I wonder how many days of the Old West, not only miners but other people, died a gruesome, lonely death like that. Right, and out in the middle of nowhere. Nowhere, and you're yelling for help? Yeah, well, and I'll, I'll explain why he did that. So anyway, Pinal placed the candle in a niche in the wall, and he started moving the rocks. In about a half hour, he had the prospector clear uh, from the crushed leg. He Mm. could smell the odor of gangrene. Oh, how many days had he laid there? Probably three or four days. Oh. So anyway, the old prospector raised himself up uh, on on his good leg, and by holding onto the cave wall and with... Pinal's help, he made it outside uh, to his camp, and uh, Pinal said, don't do anything uh, until I get some splints for your leg. I want to see if we can, obviously, your leg's bad. Oh, my. So, but the old prospector, he said, you know, he said, I've been under those rocks for three days. I don't have any feeling in my leg. Uh, Mostly, I'm really hungry, Uh, so... I think he kind of knew he was in bad shape. Did he mention about taking the leg off? Well, here's Pinal. You know, he doesn't know anything about surgery or oh anything my like that. Goodness so sakes. anyway, when Pinal had the man sitting up and eating, he took a short-handled axe into the timber and selected a few trees, and and there he. Uh, split uh, and shaved down a couple of splints uh, while the prospector explained what had happened. Uh, 
His name was Frank Fosterson. He had set off a large charge of powder that somehow exploded before he could get out of the cave. Oh. For the past two years, he'd been prospecting on the northeast side of a place called Saddle Mountain. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Anyway, Fosterson had eaten his fill when the last splint was carved from the sapling. His leg was swollen huge, but Penal tied the splint over uh, Fosterson's denim trousers rather than cut off the, the trousers. It would have been gruesome anyway. Oh, my. Anyway, so it says, maybe I could get outside uh, to a doctor. So that's what he's thinking. He's thinking, you know, it's nighttime. Maybe tomorrow I can get out to Salmon, over to Salmon. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I said Montana. This yeah. is in Idaho. Oh. Uh, he said, we'll head for Salmon because there's doctors there. Well, Penal got his burrows, uh, packed Fosterson's uh, little amount of equipment and some food, and they uh, decided to head out. And so here's what Fosterson said, why he started yelling. He said, it's plumb funny how I started yelling for help. He said, he had no idea anybody else could be on the mountain, but where I lay, I could see the tops of some tall trees. I saw reflected firelight on them and started yelling. Wait a minute. Really? So he saw the flicker of a fire, a campfire, Penal's campfire, and so he figured somebody had to be over there. Oh, So my. that's when he started yelling. Woo. I mean, obviously, this guy must have thought, I'm done. Can you imagine dying that way? Oh, yeah. I mean, it would oh, just be a terrible. Story. Yeah. After a drink of water, you're going to tell me more. <laughs> so, Pinal loaded his outfit, set off around the mountains on a game trail with the burrows. And uh, they finally reached a place called Lost Trail Pass. From the summit, which is nearly 7,000 feet, there was a trail that followed canyons and creeks to Salmon River, to the Salmon River in Idaho. Uh-huh. And it was a pretty easy descent all the way. Now, you, have you been in the Salmon River area, Zed? Uh, yeah, quite a yeah. bit, really. I mean, I floated the Middle Fork yeah. when I was a, a yeah. Boy Scout. Yeah. So it, it's rough country. Absolutely. Uh, just rough. The, you know, it's the Frank uh, Church Wilderness area. Well, roughly how many miles was the mine from Salmon? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, it doesn't really say. But anyway, by noon, they arrived at where the North Fork joined the Salmon. Fosterson was not only delirious with a, a bad fever, but he appeared to be about to lapse into a coma. I mean, here he is his fourth day, you know. Anyway, Penal realized that he would not live long enough to, to reach Salmon. 
Well, Fosterson fell to the ground, fell off the burrow. Pinal placed him on a bedroll where there was shade. Uh, obviously, he had no choice but to make camp right there. Well, now about 5 o'clock that afternoon, two riders came out of the forest. Where are all these people coming from? <laughs> it's a, well, you'll see. <laughs> so the older rider said, I'm Orville Fetterman, and I run cattle all through here. What's wrong with your partner? So he could obviously see that uh, Fosterson was in a bad way. And Pinal said, well, he's not my partner. He's just a prospector I ran across uh, yesterday night. Well, gangrene has set in, and he hasn't much chance of living, but I hope to get him on down to a doctor of salmon. Well, so this uh, Fetterman said, you know, we'll go on down to the ranch, and I'll send a wagon back for him and get a ri- have a rider head for salmon to get a doctor. So they were down close enough to where they, obviously, there must have been some kind of a, a wagon road. Wow. So anyway, sundown came, and anyway, uh, later a wagon could be heard approaching, and before they got there, Fosterson said painfully, I-, I want to tell you about the cave where you found me under those rocks. There's an ore vein inside it, some 20 inches wide, that contains more gold than, than black quartz. I was trying to blast it out uh, wider to work better, and that's why I got hurt. It's hardly a cave, more like a hole in the wall. I got some 200 pounds of coarse gold in there. Mm. It's in five canvas sacks under all them rocks. Aim to go outside in a, in a few days and sell it. Well, he said, if I go under, and sure as heck I will, it's all yours. Really? So he, he knew he was not going to make he it. He was about ready to go. Yeah. Well, anyway, Fetterman soon came with the wagon. The wagon must have been uh, more than three hours on the road. And, uh, uh, by, you know, they put him in the wagon and headed for Salmon. And when they went to lift him out of the wagon, he was dead. Oh, he was. Yeah, so he was gone. Well, so Pinal's plan was to resupply himself and get back to Saddle Mountain, dig out the rocks, and recover the sacks of gold, right? He, He knew where he'd camped. He knew where he'd found the guy. Well, this is where a little turn of bad luck. Three nights later, Pinal was in a saloon when two men got into an argument at the lower end of the bar. Both went for their guns and shot wildly, and both were dead. Unfortunately, one of the stray bullets struck Penal. Oh, my, no. Well, after being bandaged, he was carried to a shack. They figured, the doctor looked at him and said, well, you're done, you pretty much, you know. You're not very, uh, uh, you're positive. kind of a gruesome story this morning. <laughs> However, the next afternoon, he was still alive. Oh. Uh-huh. A month later, he was still alive. He was stirring around. Moving a month later, yeah, a month later. Gee, that took away the prognostication, yeah, yeah. So much for that, doctor. Anyway, Pinal remained at Salmon all winter long. Well, he lived all winter, he lived all winter. And when he felt up to wandering north, he uh, stopped at the Fetterman Ranch. Okay, so he's headed back in there, so he's back among the living, yeah. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the, he stopped at the ranch and they told him, says, you know, it's impossible to get through Lost Trail Pass before late June because of the snow. It's packed in there pretty, 
pretty heavy, pretty deep. Anyway, Pinal knew from experience that tree shade would keep the snow banks from melting much until summer, but the sun shining on the east side of the Saddle Mountain would thin the snow and traveling would be much easier. So he kept going. And he didn't encounter any really bad snowdrifts until he got to what they call the North Fork River. Well, finally he got to Lost Trail Pass, and it was deep, deep snow. But he had little choice except to keep going. So he did, and he had his mules. Um, but he kept going and going, but realized that, you know, it was still kind of a kind of hopeless. So he stopped for a while uh, along some uh, streams and started panning for gold. And he actually did fairly well. He uh, uh, actually panned about 50 pounds uh, worth of gold okay. uh, for his efforts. Which was worth how much? Oh, gosh. This was in the 1800s. I, I don't know. 50 pounds yeah, of gold? Yeah, th- that had to be quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. So anyway... Uh, after he got done there, he still wanted to make it up to the cave. Yeah. Up to, so he kept going. He uh, followed the creek and moved up, moved his camp and kept going until finally he negotiated the canyons and the streams. And he did find his old camp. He did. Where he had been camped. Okay. So he reached it late one afternoon. Well, the next day he came... Uh, onto a timbered bench that he believed was where Fosterson had been pulled from under the rocks. Uh-huh. Even though the cliff wall uh, didn't show any cave entrance, uh, in succeeding days he explored all along the mountain at that level. Looked and looked. Couldn't find it? He was desperate. He climbed higher, he climbed lower, he went around rocks, he went around trees. Anyway, many nights Pinal sat by his fire pondering the fact that he could not find this shallow cave. Remember, it was not a mine. It wasn't really something where there'd be a lot of tailings. Just kind of a a dugout in the side of a hill. Right, yeah. And there must not have been anything left of the miners, like campfire or uh, anything left where he could see where the guy had camped. Yeah. Anyway, he says, I just didn't seem, it just didn't seem possible, possible that he could have missed it. Uh, perhaps he was too high on the mountain. He dropped down near his old camp. He took a bearing. It was no use. After two weeks of searching, he abandoned the attempt, uh, moved off Saddle Mountain and returned to Warm Springs uh, Creek. Anyway, some days, uh, He hit it lucky by panning out in the streams, recovering gold worth as much as $100. Wow. And that's not too bad for a day's work. Not in those days. Yeah. Yeah. And yet there were periods, too, when he found no nuggets at all, which, you know, that was typical of of miners, you know. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, Pinal made his way to the south. While resting over two days at Fetterman's Ranch, he told the cowman the story of Fosterson's cave in which were stored five sacks of gold. On reaching Salmon, Pinal uh, cashed out his gold and wandered on into southern Idaho. Several years later, he bought a farm near Rexburg and settled down. Really? Yeah. Now, Fetterman, uh, the rancher, told a number of prospectors about the cave, and many of them hunted but never found it. Uh, Fetterman actually sold his ranch and then moved on down to uh, near Pocatello, Idaho. He kept telling prospectors about the cave. In 1908, two prospectors uh, uh, told of finding four caves in that area, but none of them showed any evidence that they'd been mined. 
So there were some caves found, but evidently, you know, if he'd blown it, uh, blown it out with uh, dynamite, there would have been evidence of oh, yeah. some mining activity, right? So nobody knows. Nobody knows. There's a cave up there, folks. Today. Today. All right. Do you have a pack mule? <laughs> I don't. I don't. No, I don't have a mule. <laughs> Can you imagine, though, I bet you that's not a rarity of things that happen in the Old West. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, we've talked a lot about the mines that the guys found and then could never find them again. These guys, like the mountain men, the miners, I mean, they took off from society and basically just lived by themselves and died by themselves. Well, you can imagine a broken leg. Oh. I mean, a broken leg. You're done. You're pretty much done. I mean, if you happen to be able to get on your horse, if you happen to be able to ride, maybe to find an Indian camp, and that happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the Indians would nurse a guy back to health, you know. But uh, otherwise, yeah, gangrene sets in and, you know. Did you happen to see the series 1883? Yes, I did. The end of it. Yes. And with the gangrene leg uh, on the one German uh, uh, migrant that was on that wagon train because of a snake bite. Yeah. And that part really, I think the whole 1883 amplified to me that life in those days under those terms was so precious but so fleeting. Yeah. And to me, there was some, some wagon trains that... Didn't use very much common sense. Oh, yeah. You know, one wagon train uh, left Fort Hall over here, got caught up by the Big Wood River in wintertime. And they were going to try to hold out. But there were two trappers that found them and brought them down to the Hagerman Valley. Oh, really? And saved that those people in that wagon train. That's a true story. But the arrogance of, uh, like you said, the pioneers. And, well, we're, we're not going to listen to the people that know. We're not going to listen to the various Indian tribes. We're not going to listen to the, the, the wagon master. We're going to break out on our own. Well, they got what they basically thought was going to happen. Well, unlike these guys that got caught up there by the Bigwood river you know they didn't have a guide and they were taking uh this cutoff but it was late in the year they you know they were warned not to go that way because of heavy snow and they did get caught in it oh but like say these trappers uh brought them all down through the lava fields all the way down to hagerman valley where they could uh where they had feed and fish you know and they survived through the winter what kind of a time uh frame was that how many weeks did that take uh, I, I, it didn't tell me how long it took him to bring bring them down to the Hagerman Valley, but I'm guessing it had to take at least two or three weeks. Oh my goodness! Maybe more. Yeah. To get get all that wagon train, and it wasn't a big wagon train, but still. You had to get all these people, kids, women, children, you know. One thing that I think is standard with all the people that were travelers and pioneers, they were tough. Oh, yeah, they absolutely were. They were tough. You know, and the things they put up with and oh my. Uh, the wind that would just absolutely shred the canvas yeah. on a wagon. Yeah. And then the mud and the rain and the rivers Snakes. that were swollen. Snakes. Yeah. Everything. So That was a good story, but... But still, that little cave with those bags of gold are still there. You know, I would love it. I mean, this story is actually 50 years old. This comes from a 1973 
Frontier Times magazine. Wow. So 50 years old, you know, maybe somebody has found us since Never then. know. And who's going to say? That's right. <laughs>